Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This week's episode features Amy Kara. She is a senior director of brand innovation at Delight Beauty. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Sarah Kugelman. She's the founder of Skin Iceland. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to be sitting across from Amy Kara. She is the Senior Director of Brand Innovation at Delight Beauty. She's also a client of Base Beauties. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi, Jody. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I just said a lot of words, beauty, Delight Beauty, Base Beauty. Um, so I'm so excited that you're here, and um, what's so fun is that you get to go meet with our team afterwards and get some work done. Yes, looking forward to it. Um, so I'm going to start with my favorite question because I love minutia. I want to know about, I want our listeners to know how you're going to spend your day today. Sure. So I actually flew in last night. I'm from Chicago, um, but I always love coming to New York because I spent over a decade here, all of my 30s, um, had my three kids here. So it's really, you know, just nice to get away and be here. Um, so obviously I'm spending the day here with you guys and then meeting with Base Beauty and then um, hopefully meeting up with a friend for dinner tonight who I, um, you know, used to spend a lot of time with with our kids. And then I have another meeting tomorrow with um, my manufacturer and head home in the evening. These are easy trips from Chicago to New York, Yeah, right? it's like two hours, and I know my way around, <laughs> so it's good. Did you leave snow? Was it snowing? Yes, there? it wasn't snowing, but there was snow on the ground. My husband sent pictures of the kids sledding because they had President's Day off. Oh, right. That's so fun. Yeah, we have not had a lot of snow here in yeah. New York. It's been pretty lame from a snow play perspective. Yeah. My son was actually just saying, like, we haven't had any snow days, like real school snow days. Yeah. Well, in Chicago, you don't really get many actual snow days because we're used to dealing with the snow. But when it snows, they're all excited to wear their snow pants and play on the playground with the snow pants and the boots. So, yeah, they enjoy it. So we're going to go back in time through um, your career journey. Um, and you told me that you're actually originally from Chicago. Mm -hmm. So when you moved back recently, this was going home again. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, after you graduated from high school, what was the path looking like for you? Sure. Yeah. After I graduated from high school, I went away to college, went to Washington University in St. Louis. Didn't really know quite what I wanted to do. Studied a little biology, chemistry, French, um, little business. Um, the, the French is actually really what kind of stuck. I, I love languages and travel. I, so I did end up majoring in French. Um, didn't really want to be a French teacher, though, so I, I ended up getting a, a business minor so that I could hopefully, you know, continue in the business world and, and have some of that international perspective and use my French language skills. Um, and so that's really um, where it started, where I, you know, used my French and, and graduated from college. And did you get any jobs where that French came in handy? I did. I did. I, I worked at a small French engineering company when I um, was just out of college where the, the owner was French. And so I was really there because I knew French um, and ultimately ended up getting a job at the Air France sales office in Chicago, which was a lot of fun, loving travel and, and getting some flight benefits and, and using my French in that office. That was, was really a lot of fun. Um, but then I ended up deciding that I wanted to go to business school to help figure out more focus of, you know, what I did want to do in the business world. So let's just um, spend a minute on what the kind of benefits you get when you work oh, for a, a, an airline. So um, were you able to just like hop on any plane you wanted? Um, not 
exactly, but I mean, it was definitely great benefits. Um, but I mean, you didn't necessarily get all the vacation time that would allow you to t- use those benefits. And it was pretty strict that if you were flying on flight benefits, you were flying standby. So if you weren't able to get home, you know, that was, you know, <laughs> you were in trouble. So it was, it was pretty much, you know, go at your leisure. But we could look up and see how many flights were on various seats and usually know. Um, but yeah, I was able to, I took a trip to Tunisia, I took a trip to Greece, um, often just, you know, two or three day trips because it didn't always have the vacation, but I was, you know, young and single, um, definitely a lot of fun to do that. That's so nice. It's such a great perk. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're in your twenties. Yeah, definitely. So you said you went to business school. What was your focus then? Uh, marketing. So I went to DePaul University in Chicago and got my MBA in marketing. Um, I also, it was a, a sort of international program, so they did require an overseas internship um, during the summer. Wasn't able to find an internship in France because for, um, you know, a, such a short amount of time, a two-month period, that was a little bit harder to find for whatever reason in France. So I ended up interning at uh, in Germany. I don't speak any German. Um, but, you know, that was a lot of fun. Again, two-month internship at, at Daimler Chrysler. And what did you do there? Uh, I was in the, the finance department, and it was really, you know, just working with the finance team, um, learning about that that industry. It wasn't really a direction that, that I ended up wanting to pursue, but it was just a wonderful, you know, experience and opportunity. Are there times in your career now when you look back at something you learned when you were in Germany and you're like, oh, I'm glad I know that now? Um, probably more to do with just the people that I was with and and the friends I made. There were a lot of international students, you know, in that circle at that time and interning there. So I made some actually lifelong friends, actually some, you know, friends from France as well, uh, ended up going to their wedding. So it's just interesting how the little things you do in life, you know, lead to, you know, whether it's friendships or job opportunities, for sure. So what happened after business school? So after business school, I did end up going to New York, not not specifically for a job. Um, I, I was going because I, I had thought I'd found my fr- Prince Charming, um, but that didn't end up working out. But then I ended up, um, you know, working at a French company. My first job in, in New York was at a French pharmaceutical company um, and, you know, was able to use my French a little bit there. Um, but as it turned out, they ended up acquiring another company and moving to New Jersey. And I had just come to Manhattan, didn't want to go to New Jersey. Um, So I just happened to find my next job in the beauty industry. And that's kind of, you know, how it all started. I kind of fell in love with the beauty industry. So before the job in beauty, what was, what did beauty mean to you? Um, I mean, I enjoy, you know, the routine of beauty and taking care of myself. I was never a beauty junkie, a makeup junkie. You know, I did what I needed to do to feel confident and wear, you know, you know, take care of my skin and wear makeup. Um, but I had never, you know, seen myself as one of those people that was, you know, had to have all the latest and greatest, uh, the beauty trends. I just enjoyed it. Um, so when I got that first job, at, it was at Revlon. And um, I remember, I think I was telling you the the day of the interview, walking around the office and just seeing everyone putting makeup on at their desk, painting their nails, which is just such an odd thing to see when you're not in the beauty industry and, um, you know, realizing that this is actually part of the job. Um, it was just sort of like a, an aha, like, wow, people can do this for a living. 
Um, so yeah, it, it was it was really cool. And and then you know once you're in it, you kind of take that for granted. Um, but yeah, you still put on makeup at your desk. <laughs> right. It's um, I I would imagine it's very shocking coming from other industries and sure. walking to a beauty company where like we really are so free and open with mm-hmm. our beauty habits and experimenting with beauty. It's like expected. It's you know it's not. Um, you know, there, there's some people who, like, don't want people to put lipstick on in public. Exactly. And, like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I put it on in public? Yeah, exactly. And it's not just that people were comfortable doing it, but it's you have to get into the mindset of the consumer. And you really do, you know, have to experience all those things. But then, of course, you know, at the end of the day when everyone's going out to a happy hour, they're like, try this lipstick. We're developing it. You know, we're launching it next summer. Wear it tonight. Um, so it was kind of fun to feel like you were, you know, in the know and getting to to try these products that aren't on the market yet. It is always so fun. I don't think that ever really goes away. No. You know, it's always really special. So um, tell us about the job at Revlon. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half, two years. I started out uh, as a, an assistant marketing manager, I think. Um, and it was a great experience. I really learned all about the process of, you know, developing cosmetics products. Um, I was working on uh, what at the time was a, a new launch um, within Revlon. And so it was really getting to see every aspect of it, you know, just from the formulation, working with giving direction to the chemists, testing and saying, oh, this needs to be more red or this needs to be more creamy, um, learning about all, you know, the supply chain, the sourcing. So I really, really learned a lot about what goes into it um, and, you know, all the moving parts in, involved in a, in a big company, um, you know, that, that's launching products for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, nationwide. Um, so, yeah. So as you had this job, your reason for being in New York, which was a relationship, ended. Yes. Was there any part of you that was like, oh, I'll go back to Chicago right now? Um, sure. I think, you know, that other situation ended, didn't work out, and I had to really make a decision, you know, you know, what am I doing here? What Do I want to stay here? And I, I think I just needed to kind of follow this path for a while. Um, it was scary, but I also, you know, and there was also the factor of, you know, I had this big send-off of oh, going off to, and, um, you know, I didn't want to just turn around and go home and, oh, you know, that didn't work out. So, you know, obviously I ended up finding my path and, um, you know, uh, I'm glad I stayed. I did eventually find my Prince Charming in New York. So, <laughs> Well, you have to be so brave. I mean, I think as common as like career shifts um, on the show are like relationship shifts, right? And like figuring out um, what feels right when, when your plans are changed or changed for you. Um, it really takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to try something that's not what I expected. Yeah. Um, where do you think you got that courage from? Um, you know, I think, um, I've always been a relatively independent person wanting to, you know, do things or or travel independently and do things, um, on my own, kind of figure it out. So I think it's just, you know, part of, in my nature, but, but don't get me wrong. It was scary. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just, just finding a way and, um, knowing that somehow it's gonna, something has to work out, something, um, you know, things will pass into a new phase. You do seem like an optimistic person to me. Is that true? Um, I think cautiously optimistic is probably the right word. I, I definitely, um, you know, kind of like to know 
and and have a plan. So when that doesn't, but but I also like I recognize that you you have to deal with changes when they they come your way. Yeah. So um, once you had that job at Revlon, how long did it take for you to realize like yeah, beauty is where I'm supposed to be? Um, you know, I think I think I knew pretty much right away. I think I you know I I never you know. And also just being in Manhattan, that's, you know, sort of once you get a job in the beauty industry, you realize all the other um, career opportunities that that are in that industry. And, um, you know, so I think I just knew I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the aspects of it. Um, I think ultimately what was missing for me, or or not even missing, but what I didn't want to yet walk away from is more of the international side of things. What I was working on at, you know, Revlon was a very, you know, domestic focused uh, launch and project. Um, and I I did really want to not give up on the opportunity to have a more global experience, not necessarily physically being global, but um, and then uh, there was an opportunity that came up um, at Avon, which is a global company in their in their global um, brand marketing department. Um, and so I, you know, I luckily was able to get that opportunity. And, um, so then, you know, switched gears to Avon, which is a a different business model, but, you know, working with all the four regions around the world to sort of harmonize, um, you know, the, the beauty launches that were going on and where they could be a global project they could, but where they needed to have sort of tweaks and shifts for different cultures, we would, would help manage that. You know, you know, makeup is very different, say, in Brazil than it is in Taiwan. Um, so sort of working with the different regions to, to meet their needs. And that's a very big ship to steer, mm-hmm. right, when you're talking about a company of that size. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, like, one of the most valuable things you learned during that experience? Um, I think, you know, for me, it does always come back to the people you work with are the most valuable asset and, and thing you're going to take away from it. And um, But I think, you know, if I had to think about, I think it always comes back to just persevering when there are challenges. I think every, you know, every job has, you know, you might have someone who's difficult to work with or a timeline that's unrealistic or, um, you know, something goes wrong with a manufacturer overseas, you know. So just learning how to um, solve, try to solve problems rather than just identify them somehow in the big picture is what kind of I learned during my time at Avon. Because, um, you know, in a, in a company that big with so many moving parts, again, um, there's always problems. And the people that are able to sort of succeed and move forward try to find the solution, not just point them out. Yes. We always, um, my philosophy is like, come with a plan A and a B, right? And um, sometimes having a choice in those moments when, you know, things aren't going exactly the way you want. Um, just knowing that there's options makes people feel more relaxed, mm-hmm. right? Like as if they're, as it's sort of creating a, um, more of a sense of control when mm-hmm. really the situation might be out of control. Um, I love that. And I love that you have such a focus on people too, mm-hmm. right? That's my philosophy as well. Um, so um, you were at Avon for six years, is that right? Yep, yep. Why leave Avon? Um, so I was actually there, enjoyed 
uh, my time there. Avon, you know, now looking back, you know, you can see that Avon has gone through a lot of changes, and a lot of that was starting during the time that I was there, or really coming to a head when the, trying the time that I was there. So there was um, several rounds of layoffs when I was there, and ultimately I succumbed to some of the layoffs in the in the global marketing department, um, and that was why I ended up departing from Avon. Was that the first time you were laid off? Yes. Were you ever fired from a job? No, I wasn't. And, you know, even though I'd seen layoffs before and I'd always, you know, known it's a corporate, it's financial, it's it's still hard. It's still hard, even though, I mean, when it happened at Avon, I mean, there were probably 100 of us, 200 of us, but it's still, you know, it's it's hard. Yeah, I think I've been fired and laid off, you know, Many times in my career, <laughs> and, um, you know, it was always in my 20s because once I was in my 30s, I was running my own business. I couldn't fire myself. Um, and I think the hardest part, like, before even, like, this idea of financial insecurity, it was, like, my ego. Mm-hmm. Like, my ego got bruised, right? Um, it felt sad. And mm-hmm. um, that was, I think, more always more challenging for me than the, oh, well, how am I going to pay my bills? I mm-hmm. guess I just assumed there would be another job eventually, but— um, the ego, yeah, was yeah. painful. Well, and just kind of second-guessing, is there anything that specifically I should have done differently? Um, you know, I think I know um, that in certain cases that's not the case and it has nothing to do with anyone in the room or in the building. Um, and other times it might, but, you know, again, just some, you know, things will find their way. Mm-hmm. So um, at that time, what was a next step for you? So I was actually pregnant with my second child um, when the layoffs were announced. Um, so it was a little bit scary, um, but I did, you know, they there was a generous uh, severance package for all the people that were let go. So, you know, there was a, a bit of a cushion there for the fall, but it was just daunting, you know, what to do. Um, you know, I wasn't really yet showing in my pregnancy and, you know, I still had, I don't know, six or seven months left. and But you just think, well, what do you do? Do you, you interview for a job while you're starting to show? Do you, you know, all these questions? And um, so I, I did explore. I explored looking for a job. I explored, um, you know, consulting or temping and, you know, even just that process of how do you, you know, how forthcoming are you supposed to be or do you have to be and all those questions. Um, ultimately, I didn't end up finding work and I was able to accept and enjoy the pregnancy and, you know, the situation. Fortunately, you know, I was able to do that. Um, And then shortly after, what would have been similar to had I gone through the pregnancy and gone on maternity leave and come back, that was around the time that I started looking and and I did find uh, a job consulting. um, And this time it was um, at Cody working on the Sally Hansen nail care brand. Um, I had spent a lot of time working on the nail care category at Avon, so it was, you know, a good fit. And um, interestingly, I was covering for someone who was on her maternity leave. Um, So, you know, it's just interesting how that works out. But, yeah, so that was, you know, a short-term experience. I was there for, like, two or three months. Mm -hmm. And um, back to this idea of being able to say, I'm just going to enjoy the pregnancy, Um, that's that's a hard thing to do, right, because you were— you had a switch on, which was, let me go find another job. Mm-hmm. How did you turn that switch off and just say, you know what, I'm just going to chill and be pregnant? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, 
Well, fortunately, it was my second pregnancy, so I knew what was in store <laughs> um, and what was coming. And I also, of course, had a toddler already at home. So I think it's just, you know, I don't know if it's just maternal instinct or what it was, but I just realized, you know, okay, this is what I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do, and um, you know, I'm gonna go through this part of my life and enjoy it, and you know, figure out the next step uh, after the baby's on the outside. Yeah, um, the idea of being pregnant with a toddler is not easy, right? That was. Um, yeah. Did you give up your babysitter or a daycare or whatever situation you had for your toddler at that time? No, we. So sh- she was in a daycare, um, not too far away. So. No, we still kept her there. Uh, you know, as you may know, in New York, it is extremely hard. There's waiting lists. It's, you know, it was very hard to get a spot. Um, you know, we that was already the second daycare while we were waiting for a spot in that one. We were in another one. Um, so knowing that it was temporary, we, we, you know, we kept her there. Obviously, when, if I felt like not sending her for a day because we could, I wouldn't. But no, you had to kind of keep that spot going if you knew you were going back to work. Right. I actually didn't have children in the city, so I, um, I, I'm getting flashbacks to my friends talking to me about this. Yeah, the mm-hmm. challenges of having that spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, you had your time at Cody, and that was limited. What was the next step for you in the career? So knowing that that was only a temp position, I was, you know, keeping my eyes open, and I ended up um, getting a job right perfectly timed, fortunately, um, at the Hain Celestial Group, which I hadn't known, you know, I I hadn't heard of. They're predominantly a food uh, company, but 10% of their business at the time was in personal care. They had several, um, you know, four or five different personal care, skincare brands. Um, but that was my first exposure to this sort of natural, organic, good-for-you um, type of product. Uh, so that was something that was, you know, kind of just coming into the mainstream. I don't think it was quite mainstream at the time. Um, so it was a great learning for me to understand, you know, all of that Um that side of, of, you know, really looking at the ingredients and, you know, natural, organic, all learned all about what those mean, um, you know, what those different claims mean, et cetera. What a good company to go to for that type of education around yeah. naturals, right? Because they've been doing it for so long. Exactly. Um, so, and I feel like in beauty now, you can't not know that, right? right. You can't ignore that this is um, really relevant to the customer these days. Right. Two, two of the main brands that I was managing were Avalon Organics and Alba Botanica, which, you know, particularly Avalon Organics, you know, had been around for a while and, you know, one was, was one of the first to actually do certified organic ingredients. Um, so that was all new to me, learning that and, and not just learning what that meant in terms of developing products, but understanding that's a completely different consumer. At the time, it was a completely different consumer. I think, you know, gradually everything's melding together. But um, Right. Isn't that interesting? You would have had isolated that customer completely from the one wearing purple glitter lipstick, mm-hmm. right? You would have said they're, that's not even um, in our target, but now it's, it's just not true, right? Right. We shop across all these mm-hmm. different categories. So, um, okay, let's let's fast forward a little bit because you now you have three kids and you want to leave New York and go back to Chicago. Why? Yeah. Um, so I think 
I I love Chicago. It's where I'm from. I enjoy New York, but you know, I'm I'm aware of kind of the pros and cons. And for me, I had always hoped to go back to Chicago. Um, my parents are still there. My sister and her family are nearby in Indianapolis. Um, so, but I also knew that things don't always work out how you planned. Um, but you know, fortunately, uh, at this point, you know, I have three kids, a husband with them, um, and you know, he was open to you know to making that move. And so it was um, during my third pregnancy that it was like, you know, okay, let's figure this. If we're going to make this happen, let's do it. Well, you know, we have these three small kids now. Um, so yeah, during my maternity leave at the Hand Celestial Group is when we, you know, officially made the decision. And of course I, you know, wanted to get in touch with my boss while I was on maternity leave and give her as much notice as possible. Um, so yeah, and, and, you know, she was very, receptive and great. The team there was great, you know, a lot of working moms. Um, so it it was a pretty smooth process to, you know, part ways. Um, and then it was, again, going to the unknown. Um, you know, I wasn't really going to try to look for a job. I mean, I looked whatever looking on the internet means, right? Um, but I really needed to focus on, you know, getting my three small kids and my household all sorted out and sell where sell the condo we were living in, figure out where we were going to live. So that was kind of, we just accepted that one thing at a time and I'd figure out the job when I got there. So how long did you wait until you started looking for a job once you moved? Um, I, I waited a while. I I um, we moved when my youngest was six weeks old, which was wow. Oh yeah, oh that was gosh. craziness, craziness. Did you drive the family? N- no, we we sort of <laughs> we we sent the moving trucks, and then we drove with a small amount of um, the items, and then my husband and I came back with the baby a couple of times back and forth. His parents live here in in Manhattan, so we were kind of able to do a little bit piecemeal, but I, I couldn't, I was breastfeeding, so I couldn't separate from my son at the time. So, you know, eventually we all <laughs> made it there. Um, and fortunately, like I said, my parents live there, so we, we didn't even have a house figured out. We just figured we're going to show up at my parents. <laughs> um, and so we did that. We were probably there for about six months, you know, but we had found a place and, and, and picked it out. And so, yeah, it was a you know, crazy time, but it all worked out. So how many months after you um, finally found your home and got settled, did you decide that you were ready to look for a job? I think, I think you know, I was periodically looking a little more here and there, and I realized, um, you know, within the first uh, six to eight months, it was, you know, okay, I need to start, you know, finding, figuring this out. And I think the process was actually, took a lot longer than I expected, Um a lot because when I was describing earlier when you, you know, get your first job in the beauty industry and then you realize there's a lot of opportunities for that with that career in Manhattan. Um, that's not the case in Chicago. And I think I was a little bit naive to think that I wouldn't find something or that those skills would be more easily transferable to something else. Um, but going through the the job search process, I realized more and more that I I do like beauty more than some of the other industries, you know, that I was considering. It was a lot of food industry and other CPG, consumer packaged goods industries. But I kept feeling like I, I want to do beauty. Um, 
eventually I I found, you know, this small, you know, entrepreneurial company, Universal Beauty Products, um, that was looking for someone uh, to help them sort of expand and branch out in, in skincare, um, which is not, you know, a, a sort of large part of this por- company portfolio at the time. So it just worked out. It was, was the right fit. Um, and I was hired there and, um, you know, was able to bring to life Delay Beauty. It's so cool because you got to be an entrepreneur within an organization, right? Which a lot of companies, I think, would hope that they could facilitate and incubate, but a lot of them really can't, right? So you were able to invent a brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's really what it was. It's like um, I was able to be a brand founder within an organization. Um, and I think that's just due to the fact that our owner and CEO is is open. He's interested in new ideas and new opportunities um, and, um, you know, put his trust in me, I think, because of um, just, you know, the, the relationship that we built. And, and um, you know, I have a lot of things that I learned from these large global brands and uh, manufacturers that, um, you know, are sort of foreign to a small company like that. So just, you know, things, you know, related to supply chain, sourcing, market research, all those things, um, been able to bring bits and pieces of those, but still fit them into a very entrepreneurial organization where you can make decisions much, much more quickly um, than a layered organization with, you know, VPs and senior VPs and directors and the senior directors and all these different people that, you know, a, a decision that may normally take two or three weeks, you know, I can make on the spot. So I'm proud to say that Nylon Magazine called Delight Beauty one of the newest brands to watch in 2020. I know. Why do you think that is? What do you think about Delight is um, really um, compelling for people? Um, you know, I it's hard to say because I, one thing I've learned in, in this industry is that there are so many different types of consumers and so many different, you know, types of needs to be met. And I think for me, I think, you know, I have to say there's probably a lot of me in Delight Beauty. And I think um, having kind of been in the industry, I, you know, I've had to sort of try to identify with all different types of consumers. And I think um, for me, you know, I I don't think of myself like as I said as a beauty junkie, um, but I I love it. I love using products. I love you know, um, and so I think hopefully I, it's tap delight beauty is tapping into like minded consumers who who do like beauty but don't want to feel intimidated by all the complicated um, steps or ingredients, um, and they just want to enjoy it and pamper themselves and feel good about it, um, but not feel intimidated. And um, especially, I think it's great for moms, you know, who are busy. Um, and and so that's really what I hope can resonate with consumers. When we talk about the brand um, here, we giggle because a lot of us are moms um, around the idea that like the customer is, she just had her first kid and it's that kind of like four or five month period after the baby is born where like she, Finally, she gets around to showering most often, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have so much spit up all over her, and she starts to kind of reinvest in herself, right? Right. But she's not interested in complicated or, like you said, intimidating things. And um, I think that's what is resonating with the customer and editors. That, like, it really is just—it's simple, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's a skincare line that does not require overthinking and tons of YouTube videos to watch, right? It's just there for you the way that you need it, um, which is kind of— um, 
refreshing, right, in our industry where it's all about like layering on a thousand different things and many, many steps and dozens of products. Right. Um, and since many of us are moms, we can tap into that mindset. Now, you don't have to be a mom to be busy, right? But it's like those moments where you sort of have this aha moment that you're mm-hmm. ready to reinvest in yourself. Right. Yeah. And I and I also think, um, you know, there's other brands out there that are simple or basic, but I think what what I um, hope to to offer with Delight Beauty is that it also just in in the way it looks and feels that it it just also brings a little delight to that. It's simple, but you still feel special when you use it. Well, um, you and I are around the same age, so this reference makes sense to us. But the Calgon, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. right, we talked about this a lot in the beginning. So anyone listening who's forty two or older. Um, these um, commercials for Calgon, which was, I guess, a bubble bath product yeah. in the 70s and 60s, the um, commercials were always this very overworked woman, right? She was she's multitasking. She was a mom. She worked. She was cooking. She was gardening. She was doing all these things, and she just needed a moment to herself, and mm-hmm. she'd disappear in her bathtub into a bubble bath, and Calgon actually, like, took her away to her fantasy land of peace and quiet, um, and that was her delight, right? Right, exactly. Um, Hopefully, our customer today doesn't feel so encumbered by the rest of her day that she needs to shut everybody out in um, as dramatic a way as Calgon. But certainly, she feels like she needs her moments and little moments of smile. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, now that you have this role at Universal, where you are a founder within a bigger corporation, um, what do you see is next for Delight? Um, so, I mean, I'm hoping to see it continue to grow, and I'm, you know, looking to add new items to the collection uh, slowly but surely and, and really just continue bringing delight and see where it goes. I think um, while I'd like to have a plan of, of how that's going to play out, just like everything, you know, um, you never know. So I'll just have to see and continue to support it and continue to um, evolve with it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Amy. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.